He joins us now. He's with MLB.com. He's an old friend. I know how disappointed he must be that Craig Heist isn't here. Right, Richard? I am disappointed. What happened? You guys... We got in a big. We got in a big. It was like the, it was like the yep. Rod Allen uh, in Sempe, uh, Murray in Sempe, or what? Yep. What's you it? Popped him one. Yep, he, I popped him. He, one. Honestly, he had it. He's had it coming for years. Yeah. Oh God, there's no question about it. Um, no, what happened was that game last night at Nats Park. They were. He was there until probably one o'clock in the morning. Had to get you know home in Laurel, and he would have had four hours sleep driven in here. Not to make a lot of money, so we gave him the day off. Yeah, that that didn't sound like it was handled uh, exactly perfectly last night. No, that you know that is increasingly a problem with so little wiggle room in the schedule, and I think right. I think baseball intended for this thing to work out much differently. Richard, starting the season earlier was supposed to build in more time to give some flexibility to people within the industry, not just players, coaches, managers, but everybody to, to have some days off here and there. And, boy, it seems like starting earlier creates its own mess that with a lot of makeup dates. Well, I think last night was just kind of a fluky thing. And yeah. also we had a terrible uh, April in terms of weather. Terrible. I think there's normally an average of I, – I, I, I'm, I'm uh, spitballing the numbers here uh, because I've forgotten. Normally have seven rainouts in April or, or – snow outs or whatever. Right. I think there was 20 or something this year, and that just throws the schedule into confusion. You're going to have that, you know, when you play an outdoor sport. Yep, no question about that. And the, the more you play, um, you know, you try and squeeze in 18 inter, interleague play games that don't have as easy a way to make up the travel, you know, for teams that are uh, routinely in those uh, marketplaces. Yeah, they, I know they've done a better job on the travel because they've been much more sensitive to what the players wanted and i've had players tell me like the travel so much better in terms of you don't have to play that night game one in one time zone and then play a day game in two time zones away but you know it's going to rain sometimes no question about that uh one place it's not going to rain tonight is uh the uh, uh tropicana dome in uh and st pete florida the orioles will take on the uh tampa bay rays i did did a little research last night richard it's one thing for the Orioles when you look and say, well, it's understandable the Orioles could be 50, 55 games behind the Red Sox. The Red Sox have a $200 million or near $200 million payroll. The Orioles are trying to shave payroll. But I did some math last night. The Tampa Bay Rays last year were 16-16 and 16 after 32 games. Since then, they've gone 140 and 130 and the Orioles were 22 and 10 after 32 games last year. Since then, the Orioles have gone like 93 and 177. The Orioles are 45 games behind the Tampa Bay Rays in that length of time. That's pretty astounding, isn't it? Yeah, and it just it reflects where both franchises are at. I, you know, here's the thing with the, you know, the Orioles entered the season saying, okay, we're going to try to keep it together one more year. Yep and try to contend, and, you know, it blew up in their faces. Tampa Bay has a complete blank uh, whiteboard mm-hmm. to do whatever they choose to do. Uh, there's no pressure on them. They have no no money. A couple of years ago, more than a couple, uh, uh, a guy with the Marlins said to me, he said, you don't understand how freeing, how much freedom that you feel when you have no money to spend <laughs> because you have, you cannot make, 
roster decision. Exactly. And I said, well, what if you had a bunch more money? He goes, and he named a certain player. He goes, we would have given $75 million to <laughs> X. He named a player. Right. And we would end up eating it. So in Tampa, all the stuff, the bullpen, you know, the, 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 the starter by commit, the bullpenning, the opener, they've wanted to do that for years. But I, I'm, you know, so until they get a shovel in the ground to build a new ballpark, they're going to be without pressure. But that doesn't, shouldn't detract from the fact that they've been great. I think they were 10 yeah. under 500. They have a great manager. They have a great baseball operations staff. They have this kid. They're, a, they're number two in baseball ops, a kid named Heim Bloom. Yep. And I have heard more people say he should be a GM. Other guys from there have left to be GMs. He should be a GM. Kevin Cash is a great manager, and they do a great job evaluating talent. I mean, Blake Snell's in the conversation for American League Cy Young Award. They have this young kid, Joey Wendell, who you know is, they picked is up from the A's, a rookie yeah. of the year. Yep. They have a lot of players, and what happens is when you can churn the roster, is you just keep you know it's like fishing. You just keep the ones you want and throw the others back, and you don't now. You know, in terms of the bullpenning, we don't know the long-term implications in terms of if you more you do it, what will it do to your disabled list, to injuries, into churning the roster and the options and all that. But I, uh, I for them, what are they? Twelve or thirteen games over five hundred now in that division? That's amazing. I want to ask you, and this this is a possible article idea for you, and you, I'm sure you have no shortage of your own ideas, but I talked to Dave Shinen a couple minutes ago about this, and he didn't have a real strong feel for it. But I've bet baseball for a long time, and I don't know if you've ever bet a game of baseball or you, you at least know how the inner workings go. People bet on baseball only – you can only bet on it in one way, and that's who the starting pitcher is. My opinion is the more this legalized gambling takes a foothold across the country, I'm going to tell you that I'm predicting that Major League Baseball will rule out the use of the opener. I I don't think anybody would bet a game involving the Tampa Bay Rays. You mean, uh, well, I know the NBA and baseball – uh, understand that legalized gambling is coming, and you have and to they want a and they want a piece of it. And they've already it. done it with DraftKings. Yep. And there's something called beat the streak. Yep. That um, you know. So I, I'll be willing to talk to you. Of, I'll be willing to talk to you about this. Directly impacting yeah. the product on the field, I would not think that would happen. Okay, I'm just telling you, nobody will bet a game. Uh, you're talking about fantasy. Listen, Sam, you and I know that yeah. these people who bet. I've never placed a bet in my life. Okay. I don't even know how it works. Yeah. But uh, they the, will bet on anything. The odds. Sergio Romo's pitching the first inning, and uh, and uh, and Ryan Yarbrough's pitching the next three. That's not going to keep them from. Uh, I from, I. But, but don't we? Do you want to? Do you want to? How do you feel about the opener? Do you understand why they use it? I understand why they use it. I'm just talking from a point of okay, view. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah. Why do they use it? They use it because they don't have enough good pitching. No. Well, the, yeah, that's one. But <laughs> they feel on a. Yeah. The theoretical level, high percentage of runs are scored in the first inning. So okay. why don't you treat the first inning like the ninth inning and bring a reliever in? Second thing is they don't want their starters facing the lineup the third time through. So, so why not shorten avoid that? the top yep. of the lineup, and so then you you face your starter faces the lineup two times through. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is what you mentioned is that they have a lot of young pitchers 
who they feel can go hard for an inning or two or three. Yep. Um, and uh, but it was amazing watching earlier in the season where they started Sergio Romo. I think some like three straight games or something like that against the Angels. And, you know, the Angels are right-handed. Houston is right-handed. At yep, the top of I the remember border. those, yep. And watching him throw that slider to Mike Trout, you go, <laughs> like, this is not what I signed up for. And I'll tell you the other part of it, yeah. the opener that's interesting, is it screws players up. I heard it from the Astros. Is that, so Let's take J.D. Martinez to the Red Sox. He's a guy that's a preparation freak. He has, uh-huh. to, you know, he has to have his, everything lined up. And so he likes to know everything in his head, a game plan in his head. Well, then you go into a game knowing that your game plan is you're going to face four or five different, you know, four different pitchers, let's say, in your four different yeah, bats. it does throw you three. Yep. Uh It throws a guy like that off. And I, I heard a bunch of Astros talking about it like, and the, the Rays own the Astros this year, and talk about, like, uh, it's so different we don't know how to deal with it. Now, the, again, though, the downside is, how do you do it over a full year? Yeah. How widespread do you get? Uh, and, in fact, before A.J. Hinch signed his extension with the Astros, he talked to Jeff Luno and said, are you sold on this as a strategy going forward? And he he said, look, we're, going forward we can talk about it, but as long as we have Verlander, Garrett Cole. And, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. We're not doing it. Yeah. Uh, I would urge you to talk, if you know anybody who knows gambling, I would urge you to just have a chat with them about it because I think it's an interesting column because what you're talking about with Beat the Streak and and uh, DraftKings, and that's all fantasy baseball. It's right. not betting on the game itself. And the game, the, the uh, over-under in baseball is determined by uh, the pitching matchup, and there's no way to figure those things out accurately uh, the way that Tampa Bay is doing it right now. It's interesting. I don't think they're going to let gamblers dictate who starts a game. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some other issues going on in Major League Baseball right now. Um, I have you on. I know you write for MLB.com, so you're global in how you're viewing things. What are you seeing in Baltimore, how this is going to shake out with Dan Duquette and Buck Showalter? We here uh, that are close to it just don't seem to have any idea what's going to happen. I think the feeling from what I've heard is that Dan stays, and I'm not sure about what Buck wants to do going forward. But I, I think bigger than that, they need a, um, a flow chart, and it needs, and they need to respect the flow chart. Uh, you know, the the best franchise in baseball right now is the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. Well, the owner serves as a referee, and that's pretty much it. And they'll come to him and go, "This is what we'd like to do." They made a very controversial move to get this closer, Roberto Osuna, 75-game yep. suspension for domestic violence. It was a very uncomfortable thing for the manager to explain, slash defend, mm-hmm. at a seventy that a 25-minute team meeting. That is uh, that is an eternity for a team meeting. That tells you there was lots of feelings. But what the owner's role in it was just to ask the GM, do you believe in this? Mm-hmm. Are you sold on it? That's the way they do. It's GM, it's owner, it's GM, it's manager in that order. And that's who's in charge. Everything done from a baseball standpoint, one man makes the call, Jeff Luno. And I think if you don't have that, uh, you're screwed up as an organization. Yeah. I mean, look. And and you can go through and name some franchises, some of them near Baltimore, where uh, the the masthead is blurry. I think when the masthead, when you you don't respect the, the, the lines, when you have 
this guy can go over that guy, or that yep. guy can go around that guy, or an agent can call multiple people. You hit the nail on the head. Yep. I, I don't think it works. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm the biggest fan. I think if you make Dan Duquette the president of baseball operations of the Baltimore Orioles, and you say, okay, we're, you know, ownership's going to sign off. We understand that. Yeah. Uh, but you put him in charge. Uh, I think you'll have a great franchise. And I, Buck is a great manager. I mean, there's no question Buck's a great manager. But I don't. I haven't spoken to Buck in a while. I don't know the, what what he wants to do going forward. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I listen. Dan's made his mistakes here, but I think all of his mistakes are born out of sort of the use of Hillary Clinton's term, a basket of deplorables. You know, when your owner gives you, yeah, go out and sign a free agent pitcher, and it can be these five guys. Instead of who you want to sign, uh, it's a lot different to judge how well. I also think the way the Rays are doing business. Yeah, it's a reminder that uh, short-term contracts might be the way to go. You know, I always abhor that term when owners would spread around, pass around these sheets showing what happens on on the disabled list days when you give a player a lot of money. Um, But um, you know, and if you're the Boston Red Sox. And in the bar is winning the World Series. The, uh, success in a season is at least going to the World Series. Failure is anything less than that. Then you know it, it is a sort of a different game you're playing. And if you can get David Price for thirty million dollars a year, you're going to want David Price for thirty million a year. But I think in most circumstances, you got to be very careful about doing that kind of money. No question about it. We're talking to Richard Justice, MLB.com, uh, very fine writer, an old friend, Richard. Uh, in the old days, we knew Marvin Miller handled the negotiations. We knew Don Fear handled the negotiations for the players. They ended up, after the passing of, uh, God, what's his, I forget his name. Michael Weiner. Michael Weiner. They ended up with an ex-player, Tony Clark, as the president of their union, uh, or the head of their union, and he's been the negotiator, as I understand it. They just announced that they brought in a more experienced labor negotiator, haven't they? Uh, yeah, and uh, you know you need labor labor lawyers, but Tony has a great Tony is beloved by the players, mm-hmm. and um, so I can tell you what they want. I think I know what they want. They want, and it's all things that are negotiable. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be you are not going to be able to sell the players on a work stoppage. That's not going to happen. Okay, uh, but I think it's it's basic things. You could you could predict them right now. Extra roster spot, actually two extra roster spots, negotiated down to one, four years of free agency instead of six or seven, mm-hmm. uh, raise the minimum salary, all of those things. You know, And you notice I didn't mention anything about minor league salaries because I don't think that plays in. So what they want is a bigger piece of the pie. And, uh, and you know, so they are not looking to reinvent the wheel. You know, if you look at last winter's free agent market, yep. You would say, okay, teams have gotten so smart now that they understand a player's peak year, in, on average, is age 27. Well, in baseball, that's when you start making your real money, at 27, 28. And so what you're seeing is the free agents, that uh, for free agency, teams were not going to spend big for age 32, 33 seasons. They just weren't going to do it. And I, I think you got to really, I think they're going to have to really go and have some difficult conversations about the one, two, one, two, and three years, mm-hmm. and, and all of that, the players are going to have to start getting more of their money from earlier. Yeah, uh, because yep. it's 
you know, I think we're pat, we're not going to have two hundred million dollar contracts anymore. Machado and Harper are the exception because they will both be twenty six when they become free agents. It's a fa- it's a fascinating topic. I mean, we're looking at a situation here. If you read the tea leaves, it looks like Adam Jones won't be back, but I think there'll be some push uh, from ownership. Uh, to at least explore his, and I get what you're talking about, the flow chart, but it looks kind of funny for an organization like the Orioles, although they're in a rebuild, to sign Brooks Robinson and Eddie Murray and admit how important they are to the organization, then let Adam Jones walk. Uh, you know. But Adam Jones is probably looking at a one-year deal or one with an option at significantly less than he's made over this six-year deal. Well, my feeling is that Dan would want to keep Adam, and, you know, and then it comes down to how do you negotiate it. Yeah. And I also think Adam is the face of the franchise. So what is that worth to a team? I mean, the work the work that Adam does in the community, it's the worth, work he it's, does. It's worth in, a lot of money. In, in to the club. When you walk in that clubhouse, Adam Jones is the guy you gravitate to. Yeah. I mean, to, he's the heartbeat of, of, the, of the room. And I just think there has there has to be some value in that. And I may that may be contradict everything else I said. But if Adam wants you know a five year deal at one hundred fifty million dollars, that that's not going to happen. But I would hate to see Adam Jones playing in something other than an Orioles uniform. Yeah, I think Adam clearly made that case. Uh, I don't think it's just you know it's funny he did an interview in July in early July with Gary Thorne when the team was in Minnesota, and I watched it on Masson, and Gary Thorne beat around the bush about how tough this season is and all. Then he got to the crunch time. He says, so it's July 31st, and the Orioles come to you and want to trade you. Uh, Do you accept the trade? And he said, well, I'd have to think about it at that time. He goes, but the ideal situation would be like Araldus Chapman. Trade me, let me take a shot at winning a pennant and a World Series, and then bring me back. And he looked three times into the camera, smiled, and said, and then bring me back. So there's no no question he wants to be back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, we only got you a couple more minutes. really appreciate the time. I wanted to just – do a quick uh, look at at how this season's going for some a, a few teams. Uh, the Angels. I remember you went to bat last year strongly for Mike Sosha when I was sort of bad mouthing Sosha. A report came out by Ken Rosenthal about six weeks ago that he's going to walk away after this year. He said it's nonsense. What, what do you think's going to happen out with the Angels and uh, Mike Sosha? I think he's going to leave. He didn't, he didn't deny the report. He just said it's the status quo. He went out of his way not to deny that he's okay. leaving. And I, I don't know the reason for that. I think he's got a good relationship with Bill, Billy Epler, the GM, and I know he's got a good relationship with the owner. Look, they were a good team, but you take, you know, I think every time we talk, they had to have their top four guys take the mound, and Garrett Richards got hurt, Matt Shoemaker got yep. hurt, Skaggs has been okay for most of the year. So just like every year, Mike's having to make it up. Yep. He's having to glue the lineup together, and or he's having to just piece together the bullpen or the rotation. It's just, I would, I think, it's just a, a case of bad luck. That, so do you think you know, he walks? I mean, but when they, there were stretches this season when they had Skaggs and Richards and Shoemaker, and who, who am I leaving out? Uh, Otani. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 On and, the DL. Uh, on the they, DL. Were, they were a very, very tough draw. And uh, so now, you know, they have this whole issue with what do you do about Mike Trout? I mean, I can't imagine Artie Moreno ever trading Mike Trout. No, I can't. He's a guy that you just, you just hand him paper to him and to just write down the numbers and we'll take it, we'll take it from there. So if Socia, whatever, you can't pay him, you, I mean, whatever he asks for, he's worth. So if Socia leaves, you're saying he would leave of his own volition, does he want to manage? Well, I don't know get- about that. I don't know the inner work. Okay. But the manager, the new manager, they're already training Eric Chavez uh, in AAA to, to take over, okay. and then they have a guy on the bench, uh, uh, Josh Paul, I believe. Or is it Josh Paul or Josh Bart? I think it's Josh Paul. Okay. And then they have Brad Ausmus in the organization, so I'm pretty sure it's be one of those three guys. My gut is, is it's Eric Chavez, but I, I what, don't know that. What was Epler's relationship with Girardi like? Is that a, po- uh, a possibility well, at all? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> obviously at some point they they fired him, yeah. <laughs> so it went downhill. Yeah. But that was that was long after Billy left. Yeah. Um, I think more and more, if you read Bob Nightingale's story in USA Today, teams are devaluing um, managers. You're not going to see – Joe's going to want $5 million a year, I would think. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think they, they're pretty set on doing it a certain way. And, you know, people thought, well, why don't the Cardinals hire Joe Girardi? Well, Joe had a divorce from the Yankees in part because the Yankees, I'm not saying the Yankees were right, but I mm-hmm. think they were not completely comfortable with Joe's relationship with some of the younger players. And the Cardinals went all kids. So who yep. better to manage the kids than the guy who'd managed them in the minor leagues? Yep. And uh, and I'll tell you, the two guys that have done a great job, Brian Snicker in Atlanta, Mike Schilt in St. Louis. And one of the stories I hear about Mike Schilt is he has a team meeting every day with uh-huh. his hitters in his office to talk about last night's game, tonight's game, just to shoot the breeze. And I thought, oh, yeah, that has nothing to do with last night's game. That's team building. That's yep. letting them yep. know my door's open. And that's what great managers do, I think. And so that's interesting. It's, it's heartwarming to see those guys getting a shot, but those guys aren't making any money. You know, those guys are making a million. A.J. Hinch just, he was signed for like a million, too, and he just signed an extension here kind of about, about roughly triple his salary because the Astros do appreciate that to collaborate with, with all the analytics and to have relationships with the players to manage the bullpen and get a good effort every night no matter where you're, you're batting a guy first or tenth, tenth, ninth, uh, that's a gift. One more question for you before we let you go. Uh, that's the Dodgers. How did the Dodgers, as smart as they are, how did they somehow avoid – picking up a meaningful bullpen help, and this is even before Jansen had the heart irregular right. heart issues, it, it just seemed like they really missed the boat on a Shane Green or somebody of that caliber uh, that would sure look good in their uniform right now. Uh, they screwed up. Uh, but I think the way they looked at it is those guys were pitching at a high level, and they did get Axford. Yeah. But, so you line up Kenley, and then you have all those guys in front of him. You, you're going to put Maeda in the bullpen, I think. Yeah. And then Alexander, Scott Alexander, and a bunch of guys like that. Mm-hmm. And but I'm telling you, Stan, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah. But when you lose your ninth inning guy, it screws up your whole bullpen. No question. There's such comfort, you know. And uh, 
Uh, who is, is Shane Green pitching for Detroit? Yeah, he's got like – now he's had a – I've had him in fantasy baseball, and he's had sort of a fluky season. His earned run average is about 4.2, and he's probably had about six innings this year where it's gone from 2.7 to to 4, so you over know, I 4. Had, uh, I've had people tell me, analytics people tell me, that the best reliever in the Yankee bullpen is Green. Chad Green, yeah. Chad Green, yeah, he's right. Su- he's and super. Shane the Green. The were so excited when they got Ryan Presley, the reliever from the Twins. He's done a great job He's a them. guy we can remake. Yep. We're going to throw more curveballs. He's going to throw his fastball at chest level. And uh, and he's been phenomenal. And I tell you, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a reminder you can't have too much information. Last thing before we let you go, uh, who are we going to be looking at from October 20th to November 2nd or so? Uh, who's who's going to be playing for the World Series? Well, right now, Houston and the Cubs are the two best teams. But that means nothing. You know, the Astros <laughs> won the World Series last right. year. Alex Bregman homers off Chris Sale in Game 4 in the 8th inning, or we're headed back to a deciding Game 5. They have yep. to win two elimination games at home against the Yankees to go to the World Series. And then Marwin Gonzalez hits a ball over the center field wall in game two against Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning. Or there's no run, you know, yep. games two and five were two of the craziest World Series games ever. So who knows? They, I mean, October is a complete reset. But today, I think, just I don't know what, how you feel about it. Today, the Cubs and the Astros are the two best teams. I, uh, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I find the Red Sox so fascinating because of the – Total unknown on how Sale and Price will do in the postseason. Right, you know, and their bullpen is not it's not, good. Not, it's good. not good. No, it doesn't give them a lot of comfort right now. Except, now, except that they just got Stephen Wright back, who may right, yeah, yeah, he may that, end that, up that's, solidifying that's a good point, that, that they may rearrange the chairs yep, yep, and yep. all of that. Just to, you know, because you just want to get it to Kimbrel. Hey, but you still are going to have like six outs in there or five or something that. That are going to give you a pause, and this kid Brazier got lit up last yep. night, and Joe yep. Kelly got booed off the mound. But they they do have you're right, they do have a, a depth of arms. Oakland is a fascinating team because they hit the ball over the fence. They have a shutdown bullpen. I mean, a really a shutdown bullpen. And who knows how they're going to figure it yeah, out with the rotation? That rotation is something else to yeah, watch. But that's been fascinating. It's been fascinating. Hey, how's the city of Houston recovering? Uh, it is. It's still, I mean, you still go try to find a contractor, but yep. it's uh, pretty far down the road. Uh, but, you know, we're, it never ends. All right. Hey, give my love to Marty. A um, lo- lot of memories whenever I have you on the show. Thank you, Stan. All right. Love you, Marty. Uh, Richard, love you. Talk to you soon. Richard Justice of MLB.com.